Hi friends! Welcome to the podcast Care Package to Japan where we showcase God's love for Japan through stories of people. I am your host Evangeline and today we have my very good friend Sharon. She is someone that I met through Jesus Center in Torrance. That was one of the church that we were attending back in, I think it was 2016 or 2017. Um, but yeah, let's get started with our episode today where Sharon gets to share with us about her experience in Japan. So today, our guest is Sharon, and Sharon's a very, very good friend. She's an awesome intercessor, and she's also a retired school teacher, and she is a true worshiper. Sharon currently lives in Harbor City, California, which is located in the South Bay. And back in 1998, she had the privilege and experience of doing missions in Japan, where she went for three times. So today, Sharon is going to share with us about her experience in Japan. So hi, Sharon. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Evangeline. What a pleasure to be with you. What a privilege. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So Sharon, I know you pretty well, but can you give the audience an intro into who you are? Sure. Uh, I'm a native Californian, uh, born in Los Angeles to a small family. My parents are from Arkansas originally, and I have one sister. I grew up going to church, but I didn't get saved until I was 16. That's the first time I heard that I needed to be born again. And so uh, that happened to be during the Jesus movement, the tail end of the Jesus movement time. Um, So I met Jesus. Uh, I attended Cal State Long Beach, majoring in industrial education. Uh, And I was supposed to teach shop but I ended up teaching kindergarten my entire career. Um, oh. Yeah. So we're, can you talk a little bit about um, what the Jesus movement was for those who are not aware of um, what that what that was? Or that what was, that is, yeah. Sure, that was a time uh, really about the early 70s where it was revival was poured out and It was a time of such great societal upheaval and unrest. The hippie movement was raging, lots of tune in, turn on, drop out of society kind of stuff. The hippies, you know, a lot of drug addiction, a lot of free sex, free love, that kind of thing was going. So things and and the Vietnam War was raging and lots of protests, the the, um, racial inequalities, were being addressed. Uh, Martin Luther King was was doing his ministry uh, at the time. And so it was a time of real upheaval. And in the midst of that, when society looked like it was going to implode, God started pouring out his spirit and millions came to Jesus. Millions. Wow. So many people got saved. And I was one of those. I was younger. Um, but I, I just remember my best friend got saved. My Sunday school teacher got saved, who had previously said that the Bible was just allegorical, not to be taken literally. And then she came back one weekend and completely recanted and said, the Bible is to be taken literally because she had just met the Lord and she shared with us. So it was a convergence uh, for me just seeing all the upheaval in society and how God was literally 
turning the lives of people's lives around and rescuing teenagers that were so lost in their sin and their decadence. And uh, lots of people got saved. The Holy Spirit was being poured out on the mainline denominations, on Catholic Church. Um, it was just a real revival. And it was an amazing, an amazing time to be alive. I was in high school and we really turned our school upside down with the gospel. So it was, it was just an amazing time to be alive. I thought that was oh, the way life always was, but we were living incredible. in revival. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so interesting that like to the world's perspective at that time, it's chaos and like craziness, but God chose to like at that point of history to pour out his spirit in like in our nation. And that's just, that's just so interesting. That's like, yeah. Yes. It's very much like today, you know, it just, we see just violence and, and all just craziness happening all around us. It's no different. The time is no different. So I know without a doubt that Jesus can step into this madness and turn many to him. And that is Amen my- to that. Yes. Amen to that. Yeah. What what's what are some things that have been giving you joy and hope in this season? Like I know the past two years have probably been up and down for many people. Um, but for you specifically, what are some things that have been life-giving um, that brought you joy in this specific season? I tell you, I have had the privilege of being involved in a home church that is absolutely the very best. I mean, I, I, I am just loving, I'm just loving, and it is so life-giving to me. Um, what an amazing, incredible season. It's just what God is doing. We just sense the wind of the spirit on our little home church and how he just meets us every time. I love having this experience because it's so much like the early church and it's so fun to come together. We don't put a time limit on it, you know, and, and, and the Holy Spirit just breathes into our time together. It's the absolute best. So I am just loving that during this COVID shutdown, you know, we were thankfully were able to meet throughout the whole shutdown and because um, we met outside. And so anyway, that, that's been really life-giving to me during this, this time of unprecedented uh, happenings in our world. Yeah, shout out to Andrew and Lulu. The house church is definitely... Yeah, God is God is doing something amazing there. So praise the Lord for pouring out his spirit. And and honestly, like you and Andrew and Lulu and Stella are just like some of the most passionate intercessors that I personally know. And I just want to take this time to honor and thank you guys for modeling for me and the younger generation of what it means to cultivate a prayer life that is unrelenting um i i truly want to honor you guys for that and thank you guys for um like practically physically modeling for me what that looked like because you know like um 
it's like Paul and Timothy, like Timothy modeled after Paul. Um, and it's so much easier having like a physical person who who's done it. And, and now I can be like, oh, this is how I pray. Like, oh, this is how I step into intercession. Like, oh, okay. So yeah, thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's yeah. a privilege. I, I feel like I'm still learning so much and, and really it's, it's been wonderful to be a part of that prayer and intercession group uh, that meets weekly. So thank you. And it's so heartening. It's so encouraging to see young people like yourself that have a heart for intercession because it's a, it's kind of a rare thing for any, any generation. So bless you. Oh, thank you. And we will keep interceding for Japan as well, because we love that nation and more than anything, God does as well. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast um, is about showcasing God's love for the nation of Japan. And before we dive deep into just the time that you spend in Japan, I'd love to know, um, what was the last Japanese food that you've had recently that you remembered? <laughs> edamame. It's funny. I I did not, I had never heard of edamame before. Um, oh, really? I went to Japan. No. Oh, no. And so that was the first place I ever had it. They made some for us at the church. We stayed at the church there. And I started it was like, oh, this is good. It's, so I came back and started buying it. And so edamame was the first thing, really, that that I remember having. And edamame is healthy as well. It's like packed with lots of protein and it's like super yummy, super good for, it's good for you. So yeah. Yes, for sure. I'm not really yeah. one of those. I'm not a sushi sushi person. In fact, when I was there, when we go out to sushi, um, I had like the chicken karaage. <laughs> because I are you not a raw fish type of person? No, I ate it. <laughs> I ate some there because you know we were in someone's home one day, and you know that's what they yeah. said. I ate it, but yes, not really. <laughs> were there other food that you ate that was kind of like? Eh. I'm not sure what this <laughs> this is, or I don't know. I'm not sure if I like it. Oh yeah, yeah, ika, um, raw ika, squid. Oh yeah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really love, really love squid. <laughs> They're like. My, my friends will joke around and say that, like, that it tastes like rubber. I'm like, no, it's so good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. None. Yeah. Cook yeah. mine. Cook mine. <laughs> yeah. So let's dig a little more about your experience in Japan. Can you tell us, um, like, for the first trip that you went, um, what prompted you to go? Um, how did that whole thing started? How did you feel like God was like, yes, Sharon, I want you to go to Japan, um, like back in 1998. Um, can you give me a little bit of background around that? And oh yeah, yeah, sure. Yes. I was attending the church on the way out in Van Nuys, California. I had for many years there and they had a very active 
world team office. They call it world teams. They were short-term missions. And so it was a huge, there were, there were like hundreds of people would go on short-term missions every, every year. And so um, I began to sense a call to the nations. And so I got involved with world teams and I was scheduled because I was uh, a worship leader. I was scheduled to go on a worship team to South Africa. And I was really excited about that. Also, um, I was also supposed to be going to Israel on a world team that same year. And so um, that's what I was planning. You know, we were, I was going through the training. They had lots of great training. And my friend Renee was um, leading a team, a small team to Japan. And she kept asking me, why don't you go on the Japan team? I said, no, no, I'm going, I'm going to South Africa. I, I'm on the I'm on the worship team going to South Africa. And she kept saying, Come on, what ask God, pray, pray and see if you should go. And I was like, I already know where I'm going. No, no, I'm I'm good. And so finally, one day I said, Well, I you know, I guess I should pray and ask the Lord. I'm driving in the car. I mean, it was literally on my face before God. I'm driving. And I said, Okay, Lord, Renee is nagging me. Lord. Should I go on the Japan? <laughs> Immediate, yes. I was like, oh, wow, really? <laughs> so I switched gears and I and I, I applied to the Japan team. And of course I got on. And so that's how, that's how my whole uh, Japan experiences began. Wow. So Holy Spirit totally just like, was like, nope, you're not going to Israel this year. Nope. Now South Africa this year. And boom, Japan. Japan. That wasn't anywhere on my radar. Never even imagined going there because, you know, I'm a big girl. I'm African-American. I just thought I'll stick out like a sore thumb. No, no, thanks. (laughs) Well, it, it's it, it shifted quickly. So we began training. Uh, our, we'd have meetings, weekly meetings, where we'd research and learn things about Japan, and we would pray for the nation and learn how to function as a team. It was really quite a, a, a remarkable experience. And it was in those meetings that I began to really have a heart for Japan. As we would pray, the Lord would begin to stir up our hearts. He would speak to us about um what Japan needed. And we, we learned about um, a vision that Pastor Jack Hayford, who was our pastor at the time, had had when he was visiting Japan because they had a close friend he knew from Bible college that really was a very, was a very well-known pastor in Japan. And he had had a vision of the nation of Japan wrapped with chains around it. And and people, saints, Christians, believers from the outside of Japan came in to help. And to, along with the believers there in Japan, were able to break the chains of bondage off of the nation. So we really wow. had such a sense of purpose in going, our, our just our presence as we worshiped and prayed, we prayer walked, we, you know, we, we held some, some meetings, conferences. Uh, we also started a, um, a gospel choir 
that first group, uh, that first team, we, we started a gospel choir there because at the time there was another guy who was living in Japan, uh, a black guy from America who had started a gospel, uh, a gospel group there with Japanese people, many of who were not believers as a, as a way, a venue to teach them about about God and they would learn because also they wanted to learn English. So they would learn the songs in English and then they would teach what the, what the words meant. Uh, they, they teach about the Bible. They teach about the Lord. And, and, and as you and I both know, when you start worshiping, even if you don't know the true and living God, you start singing songs about him, the Holy spirit comes in. And that's exactly what would happen. We would be rehearsing, and singing um, gospel songs and they would start to cry and say, what is that I'm feeling? And they, and we, we would tell them, you know, that's the Holy Spirit. God is showing himself to you. So that that's what we did when we were in Japan. It was, it was such an amazing experience. Yeah, can we talk a little bit? I wanna backtrack a little bit and dig into specifically when you were talking about like, before you guys um, were preparing to go, you were, you know, doing research about Japan. And the more you do research, the more you grew a heart for it. And and it kind of reminded me of that like partnership of um, sometimes like what God like deposits um, certain seeds in our hearts, but it's like almost um, almost like we have to. I don't know if the right word is like tilt the soil or like fan into flame, but like we also have an active part with it as well. Um, So can you talk a little bit about just like what that's like in your personal life, whether it be pertaining to this experience or just just in general? Yeah. Um, Yes. Uh, One of the some of the things we learned about was that, you know, there was a major move of God in Japan in like the 1400s um, where there was a revival specifically on the northern island of Hokkaido um, where a Franciscan monk took the gospel there and, and many came to the Lord. And then there was what they called the Christian Holocaust. We, so we learned a lot about that where there were a lot of believers martyred in Japan. So we knew the blood of the martyrs what had been spilled on the land. And we knew that God, that God was not gonna allow that, the spilling of the blood of the martyrs to go unanswered, that their blood was literally crying out for the nation. As we, we learned things about about that kind of spiritually mapping the territory, it really stirred up our hearts um, in faith that God would do, would move in Japan again, and that we could go and do our little part, that wherever our feet landed in that land, um, it was stirring up revival. We still are believing for revival in that land. Many times, I'm sure that that uh, Japan is 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 pretty tough soil for the gospel, but uh, we know that that is changing, that is beginning to turn. So, Amen. I hope that answered the question. It, it does, and very very quickly for those who are not aware, um, and like Sharon mentioned, um, 
I believe as Portuguese uh, missionaries first came to Japan back in the 1400s, um, my, the exact dates might be wrong, um, but at, at that time, um, Christianity did settle in Japan. Um, I believe that the government at that time really stamped out Christianity um, by by persecuting the Christians. And uh, some of the stories that I heard of how they stamped it out very quickly is that if you're, so let's say me as Evangeline, like I'm Christian, they actually wouldn't kill me. They would kill five people that I am connected to. Um, so the people that, so rather than me dying for my faith, um, it, it could potentially be like my sister, my mom, my dad, um, five people that are connected to me. And that's how they were able to stamp out Christianity's Christianity really, really fast because um, it's like a second people who are related to you are being affected rather than just you yourself. Um, so that's something that um, was really, really harsh. And like Sharon mentioned, the blood of the martyrs are, are definitely crying out from the land. And a movie that I recommend for people to watch is called Silence. Um, Sharon, have you actually seen that movie before? Haven't. I haven't. Oh, I highly recommend it. It is about uh, Christianity during that time in Japan. So I, I recommend that. Um, Andrew Garfield is the main uh, main actor that plays the protagonist in the in the movie. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Definitely recommended. Yes. 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 Yeah. So I love to hear about um, after your first trip, what kind of prompted you to go back a second time and a third time? And and what were some of the major things that you learned during that time, um, like in Japan and about the nations, about that? that specific nation. Yes. Well, I, I I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the people. I mean, our my our first time going there, you know, we we just we we literally stayed at the church. They had spaces for us to sleep in and they had showers there. And and so we lived at the church and so we had lots of time to interact with the people. And we just fell in love with them. And so much so that when that at the end of that first trip, we, you know, many of the church members came to the airport and we were literally crying, not wanting to leave and just saying goodbye. And they stood on the top of, at the airport outside and waved to our plane. As we, it just broke our hearts to leave. So we fell in love with the people. And um, so I knew I would be back. I knew I would be back. And I knew the Lord was calling me uh, for whatever amount of time, just stirring my heart for the nation of Japan. Uh, I fell in love with the, the, the people were, were so gracious and loving and uh, generous, just, just generous souls and humble humility. Uh, it, it was just, it, it was very life-changing just being immersed in the culture and falling in love with the people. That's what drew me back a second and third time. Wow, that's so beautiful. As you're talking about it, it's just like stirring my own heart. And yeah, like I feel like 
my heart is just enlarging more and more for the people of Japan. It's just so beautiful.、Um, thank you for sharing that. Sure. Yes. Yeah.、Um, my experience. Was,、uh, was solely on the island of Hokkaido. So many people, you know, they go to Tokyo, but frankly, I've only spent one night in Tokyo. And it was, we, we arrived late and got up early and, and went to the, the airport at Haneda to fly up to Hokkaido. So、um, my experience is, is a little different because、uh, the island of Hokkaido, Hakodate, was the city that we、uh, stayed in.、Um, it's, ve- it's very different from Tokyo.、I'm, You know, you see those videos of the people squishing the people into the subways in Tokyo. Well, it's nothing like that in Hokkaido. It's single family dwellings, a lot of single family dwellings there.、Uh, it's, it's like any town here.、Uh, so it's very, it's, it's, it's very different. It's really where the, a lot of Japanese go for vacation because it's so beautiful and, it's, and it's, there's space up there. And they also say the Hokkaido food is the best in Japan. <laughs> I, I, I agree、so、with、too. that, actually. <laughs> I agree with that.、Um, for, for those of you guys who are not aware,、um, Japan is made up of hundreds of different islands, actually, but there are four big islands.、Um, Um, and Hokkaido is one of them. So, Hokkaido is the most northern island.、Um, and I believe it's the biggest one after the main island.、Um, yes. And it gets cold. I heard it gets super cold. No, I haven't been during the wintertime, but I, I hear it gets super cold during the wintertime. But I also hear that they get super great snow up there. So, oh, yeah. yeah. It, What season was it when,、like、you, when you went? Three months. It snows for like three, snows for. You know, they'll have a good two to three months of snow, probably, probably three.、Uh, we went in the summertime because I was a teacher. You know, teachers can't take time off and just go anytime. So, all my mission trips had to be during the summer, my summer break. And so, it, it, it was always summertime when we went.、Uh, Hokkaido summers are milder than Tokyo summers, they are not nearly as humid and hot because it's, it's, It's north. It's kind of along the lines of like、um, Washington State, kind of, you know, across, you know, it's、yeah. about the same level. So, so yeah, the weather is a lot colder in the winter and it's not as warm in the summer, not as hot and humid. Yeah, I, I didn't know that、um, your experience was in Hokkaido. That's, that's、yeah. awesome. There's, I think there's something. Actually, like, so special about Hokkaido spiritually. Like,、mm-hmm. um, like I just feel like, and this is more just like prophetically,、um, I just feel like the chain, chains around Honshu is a lot stronger, but in the, in, in the north, it's not as,、um, I don't know, like, it's just, it doesn't, I don't know why. <laughs> like, I can't, artic- I can't articulate it, but it's, it's, Like, do you, yeah, do you experience, yeah. Have you, did you experience that? Yeah.、Yes. The, the revival, the、um, revival in the 1400s, I, I have heard that it was mainly up on the northern island. It, there's just a well of revival there. And、uh, yeah, the stronghold is different up there.、Uh, so it is easier. It, it's a, I mean, it's not super easy, but it, it's easier to. To spread the gospel up there 
on on Hokkaido Island, from what I from what I've been told, than Hanshu. Yeah. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah, one of the one of the strongholds that in our intercession for Japan when we were preparing to go, I really felt strongly the Holy Spirit said that there is like a samurai spirit um, that is contending against against the Lord up there. You know, those are the ones who kind of felt some jealousy toward Christianity, and there a lot of the martyrdom came from those who were samurai so yeah yeah we'll definitely continue to pray for revival in japan and and i i do i do see that in the at least in the past 10 years i feel like things have been shifting um before the tsunami when people think that when people send missionaries to japan a lot of people are not as hopeful because just a statistic, like if we see one person get baptized, it's like, oh my gosh, like that's amazing. But like now I feel like things are shifting a lot and God is sending so many people there, which is so amazing. And Japan is on so many people's radar, which is, which is really cool. Like it, it gets me excited to it's like, God, what are you, what are you doing? What are you up to? Um, and ultimately it's like come lord jesus come right like mm-hmm. like he's stirring something in the nations and we don't exactly know what but everything points to like back to jerusalem everything points to return of our king and i just think it's such a privilege to live in a time such as like we li- we literally live in the time where like you know the bible like the acceleration of translation of the bible um for all languages like we live in the time where we have the technology for that and isn't that isn't that insane to think about like like we it's like possible for all nations all tongue to have access in their native word to the gospel and like it's insane to think about that we live in that time like what (laughs) yeah it's so true it's so true um they're really, you can really sense the um, that the time is shorter. I mean, we don't know. We don't know exactly when he'll come, but we just continue to occupy till he comes. And, and there has really been uh, a change in Japan since the tsunami, since the tsunami. I mean, people are more open to hearing the gospel for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, my first mission trip was actually when I went um, right at 2011 when a tsunami happened. And ever since then, I've had the privilege of going back um, like many times. And I've just seen how God used something that is in human eyes, like so tragic because Yes, like the tsunami is very, very, it's like a disaster. It's very terrible. It killed many people. Um, But I've seen God use that to open up um, specifically the Tohoku region to missionaries so that people can go there, so that people can serve there, and so that outsiders can come in and be a part of the community and help rebuild. And that's just been a beautiful process. 
to see missionaries flood into that specific region of of Japan. So praise praise God for yeah, like I praise God for just like turning all things for good. Even even at that time, like I didn't know what good can come from a tsunami. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just horrific, horrific. Um, such chilling images we saw, and yeah, God is is taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it for good. I I really believe that. Uh, and in terms of um, like what you experience of being in Japan, interceding for that nation, um, partnering with God, how has that transformed your faith or how has that added to your personal faith? Mm. Wow. So many ways. Uh, Number one, that God wants to and can use any of us. You may not think you have any specific skills that are, you know, amazing, or maybe you don't really feel like you're an evangelist or, you know, but God has put giftings in each one of us, in every one of us. And when you, when you go on a team that my experience, you know, you you don't want to all be skilled in the same thing. You want to have different skills that you can have and just seeing that God could take me, my little life, uh, and during my vacation time, going to affect a nation just by our presence, going to um, encourage the believers in that land, um, it, it really did transform transform me and help me to know that, yeah, my my little old skills, my little old life can affect change for the kingdom in another land and that God wants to use his people. He wants he wants us to go. When you go to another land to and have a, a cross-cultural experience like that, um, you are you are saying, God, I am trusting you that you will use me, even though I, I feel pretty small, I feel, I feel like, what could God, what could, how could God use me? But when you go, it's, but you just, you step out in ways you never thought you would. There is an anointing on you to do things you never thought you could do. And he just meets you there. And the lessons are many. The lessons are many. You hear God in a different way. Um, that's why I always encourage people, step out. You know, when you get the opportunity to go to another land, the Lord is calling you on a short-term mission, uh, go. Because he, he will change you. He will use you. You will hear from him in ways you hadn't before. And uh, it's a very transformative experience. So it it uh, changed my whole worldview. It changed my whole worldview. 
Yeah, were you nervous at all before yeah. you what? Can you talk about that? Oh yeah. I mean yeah. like I told you I'm 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 a big girl and big girls don't like to get on airplanes. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I really didn't want it because it was gonna be it was gonna stretch me. And you know, you're afraid, you know, it's just it's easier just to stay home. But I also I I obey God. I do what he says. So you learn. Amen. So so I I knew that if God was asking me to go, he was going to make a way for me to go. And he did. I mean, I I was nervous. Like I said, I I knew I would stick out like a sore thumb, especially on that northern island. I mean, we we were the only we were the only guy gene up there. <laughs> it was just us. None. I mean, and at at the time they were having a huge squid festival parade. And I mean, you could see us because we stood out. And it it was just I learned how to trust God in an uncom what what may have been an uncomfortable experience, but it, it turned out to not be uncomfortable. It turned out to be so fun, so amazing, um, so life changing. So yeah, I was That's very okay. nervous. I was scared. I didn't want to do it, but but you know what? I've learned to just do things afraid. You just do it afraid, and and yeah, you don't let your fears hold you back because we all have them. Everyone has fears, so you just kind of ignore those and do it anyway. Amen to that. And do you have any words of encouragement to people who? you know, are maybe trying to decide on the decision or decide whether or not to go. And they're trying to like decipher whether or not they're hearing from God. And like, maybe there's a little bit of their own fleshly fears kind of like causing them to doubt or hold them back. Do you have any words of just encouragement um, for people who are in that, in that season or in in those shoes? Absolutely. First of all, you really don't need uh, writing on the wall like many, many take a farces. You don't need. <laughs> you ask God, should I go? And if you and if you're sensing it, ask Him about the timing, uh, and and just go. Get training on short-term missions. You don't want to be the ugly American, you know, going into another culture. That was one of the things that was really important to um, one of the, I, I bought a book on Japan and it just talked about cultural yeses and nos, things you do not do, things you do. That's really, really important. Know the, learn the culture you're going to go and visit. And absolutely never let your fears hold you back because God meets you in incredible ways with yeah, incredible boy. experiences when you will say no to fear and yes to faith. Because yeah. it's a faith walk where our walk, even if you're staying home, is a faith, it's supposed to be a faith walk. It's not supposed to be, you know, well, I'm too scared to do that, so I'm not gonna do it. You know what? That that's what courage is, doing things afraid. So do it afraid. And you know, you get training, you get um yeah. you, you go with people that have that are like-minded and yeah. you get prayer support and you go 
And it's great. I think it's great. The short-term mission thing is a great thing to do because you can get a small, you know, a short experience in the culture to know, hey, maybe, maybe God is calling you to go and live there eventually. Two of the people that I uh, went with, the team leader and another guy on the team, they now live in Japan as as missionaries and they have for 20 years. So, and it started on short-term missions. So you just never know what God is going to do. Um, so wow, I say go. Incredible. Yeah, go. Amen to that. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience um, of of Japan and and yeah, that's so special. I really appreciate that. Um, before we end the episode, Sharon, do you mind? As you're an awesome intercessor and awesome just mama of the faith i love for you to say a prayer of praise um for japan as a whole if that's okay absolutely thank you father lord we thank you that you love japan you love the nation of japan your heart is predisposed toward japan Lord, I ask, Father, that you would continue to pour out your spirit, continue to stir the hearts of those that will go and serve in short-term missions there, serve in full-time mission, those who are called to intercede um, from this nation and other nations. Lord, would you continue to stir up ministry in Japan, Lord. Continue, Father, to awaken the hearts of Japanese people. We ask, Holy Spirit, you be poured out in that land, God, that all of the strongholds that are holding people away from you, Lord God, you continue to, to break through those strongholds. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to the people of Japan, wooing them towards yourself, drawing them by your spirit. Lord, we also ask God that you would continue to put it on the hearts of, of those um, who, who are willing to go to stand in that nation. Lord, that wherever they place their feet, that they will take territory in the spirit for the for the kingdom we thank you lord god that your heart is so predisposed toward the people and the nation of japan and lord we continue to say cause that nation to to not only be this land of the rising sun but to be the land of the risen sun in the name of jesus we pray amen Amen. Amen. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for taking the time today to be on this podcast. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you just praying and and just modeling for me what it means to live a full life, um, be in love with Jesus. Thank you so much um, for who you are and what you do for the community as well. So, yeah. Thank you so much. It's been my privilege to be with you, Evangeline. Yeah. And before we end this episode, I asked all of my guests this question. Um, so I'd love to know what is something that is Japanese that you absolutely cannot live without? So it can be food, a type of food, a phrase, daiso, anything. Um, 
Yeah, is there something come to mind? Yeah, there's several things. I love the aesthetic beauty. I'm a, I'm a creative person. So I love the Japanese, just the aesthetics of every what they do. Wrapping of gifts. The, the, um, that, that was just so fun to see just the beauty portrayed in the land. Also, I love Japanese barbecue, yukaku. <laughs> Favorite restaurant. So good. Yeah. So good. And I love the word, oh, kawaii. (laughs) (laughs) Super cute. Super cute. (laughs) And I like Hello Kitty. (laughs) Nice. So that's about it. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hello Kitty is really great. Super cute. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sharon, for being on the show today. Um, Yeah, to wrap up this episode, I just want to remind our listener that the purpose of this podcast is to showcase God's love for Japan through people. Um, And if any of you guys would like to share your experience with us, please email carepackagetojapan at gmail.com. And we would love to have you on the show as well. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening and thank you, Sharon, for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Mm